Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit simplecast.com. Tune in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. I live, work, and I love beer here in D.C. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer and continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU. Since then, I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager. Uh, Currently, I teach and write and get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a different guest from different parts of the beer world, brewers, importers, bartenders, educators, essentially to help us explore this fascinating and dynamic world. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So today on this uh, finally non-raining Monday morning, I am sitting down with Mike Stein. He is the president of Lost Loggers. This is a beverage research firm. He writes for Washington City Paper and DC Beer. He has served his historic beers at the Smithsonian National Museum of American History's Food History Project and serves as the historian at DC Brow Brewing Company. Uh, And his partner uh, is Pete Jones. So Mike, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate you taking the time out for beer history and contemporary beer. Of course. Uh, So... What does it mean to be a beer historian in Washington, D.C.? Great question. Yeah, a lot of people chuckle after I say that, um, but the reality is that there is good and serious work to be done with beer history. Um, I think the grand sweeping trend in public history is that there's been a sort of reclaiming of the people's history in the U.S., Um, and that means the kind of whitewashing that we've had over the centuries is beginning to, the paint's beginning to chip and we're getting truly out of people's history. So, um, basically what that meant, what that means is, you know, we were kind of, we're kind of told, um, as home brewers or maybe even earlier, like, you know, in eighth grade civics class, Mm -hmm. uh, prohibition, this, the grand experiment went from 1920 to 1933. Well, in DC, it starts in 1917 and Virginia starts in 1916. So I think... A lot of the work is myth-busting, but in terms of the concrete work um, that Pete and I do with Lost Lagers, our our beverage research firm, we literally research beer, and then we're in the business of publishing beer, publishing articles, and then, thanks to great media outlets like yours, um, letting the public know about it, know about the work we do. So what is something, what is like a recent discovery that you've had? Sure. So um, back in 2016, Pete and I presented at the uh, National Homebrewers Convention on the history of Porter. Mm Mm-hmm. They had just come out, um, the BJCP had just come out with new style guidelines for historical beer. And um, somebody tapped us for the judge's reception, like, oh, there's these guys lost lagers and they make all this old beer. Um, let's get them to talk. So we went in front of a room full of like two, 300 judges. And we're like, hey, pre-pro porter, a.k.a. Pennsylvania porter. It was brewed with corn. Sometimes it was brewed with molasses. And then we went through. But, you know, it's one word, porter, but there have been... 
you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of variants on it throughout the, the centuries and the states. Mm-hmm. So one breakthrough I had just like last week, I think on Twitter, um, I was tweeting to Martin Cornell, who's like a big British uh, beer historian. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about how Robert Hare, who for a long time and in several books was published as America's first commercial porter brewer in 1774, don't quote me, 74, he comes to <laughs> Philadelphia. Um, and there's records of George Washington buying his porter. Um, Cornell was like, actually, he's not the first. And I was like, what? Um, and he's like, yeah, no, I'm not sharing my scholarship with you by the book. And I was like, cool, what's the book's title? He's like, yeah, I'm not telling you. <laughs> so there's, there's kind of a guarded nature when you have brewing secrets. Mm-hmm. And I think um, while I totally and fully understand that, I think Pete and I are very much for sort of like open sourcing and um, using local names Right. If you believe uh, a very large brewer, they have all of the rights to all of the historic beer labels. But if you do some local history, public history, and mm-hmm. you get into all of the, the breweries that were in your town, obviously we're here in D.C. We have a big town. Um, I mean, we're under a million. But even if you're in like wherever, Sandusky, Ohio or Tacoma, Washington or wherever, there were likely many dozens, if not hundreds of breweries pre-prohibition, so before 1920 or whenever prohibition came in. And, um, and you should use those breweries' names as long as they're not trademarked or copyrighted because that's really, like us, we as we the American people, like, go find that brewery that, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So uh, exciting news in the Porter world. <laughs> yeah, so look out for Cornell's new book, um, and I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have more conversation about that when it comes out, but yeah. So let's say somebody is, you know, kind of exploring the beer world, loves, you know, enjoying local brews and stuff like that. Um, and they're kind of realizing that, oh, wow, like D.C.'s got this really great beer, this rich history um, in this area. How what's a good way for someone to like start diving into that world a little bit? Yeah, totally. Um, so how do you get into beer history? Because it's ancient. Right. So for we. Americans ancient is like the 18th century 1700s um, I'm Czech I should say my dad was born in Prague so I'm like half Czech mm-hmm. I made the mistake of uh, at, a, at a beer dinner in Prague or a dinner over many pale lagers in Prague saying oh medieval time ancient ancient history and I was talking about the 1500s and this guy who works for uh, the BBC he's a Czech in Prague was like oh, 1500s ancient he's like no that's medieval time he's like the Romans were ancient and he just proceeded to tear me a new one about how like 1500 AD was not ancient. Um, So I think we as Americans need to broaden our scope. So let's go back to the 18th century, right? Let's talk about 1700. The very first uh, written recipe for beer um, or the very first cookbook published in American history, Eliza Smith's The Complete Housewife has several recipes for beer in it. Mm -hmm. Um, So one way to jump back is to get to the primary sources. So check out Eliza Smith. That's on archive.org. That's on Google Books. It's all in the public domain. You don't even have to pay for it, provided you have internet. (laughs) Or go to your local library and find it. Um, And then, you know, the other way is certainly, shameless plug, follow lostloggers.com. We have a blog where we talk about what we assume is the first recorded history of hops growing in D.C. And that goes back to um, the early 19th century, early 1800s. Um, We talk about, you know, some of the various other firsts, like the first recording of cider. The reality is we're not going to find the first beer ever brewed in D.C. I don't Mm -hmm. think we are. Because that was likely brewed by a woman or a person of color in the 18th century, in the 1700s. And those records are very hard to find comparatively to commercial records 
where if you are a brewery, you will be taxed. Yeah. And tax is always a big deal in U.S. history. So we have good record of what's taxed and what's not. And, and, and that. So, yeah, um, you know, check, get online, <laughs> first of all. Um, but then I would also say, like, any beer history is really having a moment right now. So the other thing I would say is, like, listen to anybody who wants to talk about it, but be a critical thinker. Mm-hmm. Be, be conscious of, like, oh, did Washington really make beer? So, so he beat the British and America became a sovereign nation, and then he went back to make more beer? Does that, does that sound right? You know, like, like who really was making beer there? Yeah. Um, so I think that's, it'd be a critical thinker as well. For sure. And for those of you just tuning in, uh, we are sitting down with Mike Stein. He's president of Lost Loggers and Beer Historian. Uh, so you brought some treats here for yeah, us today. Sure did. Um, a little, I feel like lager is, is the way to go here. Can so we start with the lager? Yeah, of course. Awesome. So what is, what is this that you brought? So this is for the company, a Hell's Lager, a Hell's mm-hmm. Lager uh, from the Blue Jacket uh, Brewing Company down in Southeast Washington, uh, right by Nats Park, the ballpark where I live. Um, so a really just easy drinking, uh, 16 ounces of, of pale lager. I'm pouring Sarah a, a nice glass here. It's truly pale, uh, but not as pale as if this had been a corn lager, let's say. There's a little color, um, and it's just, you know, Hell's is an, is an easy drinking uh, beer. I'm told it was the Germans' uh, answer to Pilsner. Mm-hmm. So Pilsner beer is invented in 1842. Uh, I think I'm going to credit Jeff Allworth from the Beervana uh, and, and writing Cider Made Simple, the Beer Bible. He wrote all those books. Um, basically, the Germans had a, already had Dunkel, a dark lager, when the Czechs invented uh, a Pilsner in 1842. And I should say, this you can all fact check this, but don't quote me that the Czechs invented it because Joseph Grohl, who was the first brewer at Pilsner Urkel, was a Bavarian, et cetera, et cetera. All, all these things that are meaningful to people who still live in Bavaria or Bohemia or Germany and the Czech Republic. But anyways, I'm told that through Jeff Allworth, like this beer came about because the Germans needed an answer to Pilsner. Yes. So Hell's was invented in 1892. Pilsner was invented in 1842. I mean, in 1842, California isn't even a state. Right, like we're, that to us as Americans is ancient, even mm-hmm. though it, it truly is not in global history perspective. Yeah, really delicious beer. Um, I am a little biased as I used to be the GM at Birch and Burley Turkey. Oh yeah, um, sorry. So definitely disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> disclaimer. I love this beer. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for Blue Jacket. They they got a canning line a couple months ago and and have been doing their releases and I. I honestly think a lot of their stuff has been really, really stellar coming off the line. Very fresh. Yeah. Very fresh. Yeah. I just bought this a week or two ago. So, um, yeah. And it's good to have disclaimers in beer, too, because, like, right, for me, I am the historian at DC Brow, but I should say all views expressed here are my own, right? Like, I write for the city paper. But, again, I am Michael Stein, president of Lost Loggers. That's my thing, my beverage research firm. So I can say, have the freedom to say whatever I please there, sort of, you know? Yeah. yeah. So... Being a beer historian for DC Brow, yeah, um, and between that and Lost Loggers, everything like that, this is like your this is your full time, this yeah. is your this is your this life. Is it. This is it. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's all beer all the time. So um, you have to regulate. Here we are Monday morning, mm-hmm. having a nice, delicious pale beer. But this hopefully um, will be the only beer I drink today. Maybe we'll have a porter, but yeah, other than that, two beers, right? And I think that's part of it too. Is like. The brewing industry needs to be self-policing. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to make sure that what they're putting out is truly a, like a quality product. And I think that's kind of, that's the great part about modern brewing is we know so much we can regulate ourselves. 
So I want to talk a little bit. We're drinking a lager. We're talking about lager history a little bit. Um, you had mentioned something about DC's first lager. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, DC's first lager is something that we track uh, pretty regularly at Lost Lagers, and we like to talk about. But um, I have to give credit to the research for Garrett Peck, mm-hmm. uh, who wrote the book um, Capital Beer, A Heady History of Brewing in Washington, D.C. And Garrett is just a treasure of, of the D.C. brewing scene. Excuse me, I'll say um, he's kind of like the theory and I'm like the practice. Mm-hmm. So I'll go into his research and look at, you know, who the first brewer ever was, which in this case, it's a Scottish immigrant, Andrew Wales. And we made Wales strong ale um, at a small brewery, uh, Portner's Brew Pub in Alexandria, Virginia. So I look at his research and then I figure out how to sort of design recipes around that. A lot of the times it's like, oh, there's no way we'll ever recreate this malt. So, hey, disclaimer. We didn't grow barley the way it was grown in 1790 and then harvested it. We don't have time to do all of that. But we do try to work with micro maltsters. Mm -hmm. Um, So the porter I brought you, this is a homebrew porter that my partner Pete Jones brewed, um, came from Valley Malt in in Hadley, Massachusetts. And that's uh, Andrea and Christian Stanley. And they're micro maltsters. You know, they will never be as big as the largest uh, brewing companies in the world or the largest maltsters in the world, but they have no desire to. And that's why they can focus on their on their product. Um, so first lager, let's talk about the first lager. I have uh, a little quote from Garrett's book here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he quotes the popular, backing up just a moment, the first person to brew lager in the U.S. was John Wagner or Johann Wagner. Of course, we have the anglicized John Wagner yes. um, <laughs> in Philly in 1840. And that, that claim has been challenged a little bit, but we don't really have a solid primary source to say, actually, in 1839 in Cleveland, Ohio, right? Like, we haven't challenged that. but um, And so Garrett's good about laying out the sort of evidence. Um, and he says in his book, we can narrow down the candidates to German immigrants who began brewing in that decade. George Becker, Charles Gurek, George Juniman, and John Kozel, uh, but also to an established local brewer, Joseph Davison. And so basically what he confirms is that, um, I'll read a, a quote from the book if I can. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, after Captain Bell was murdered at the beer garden in July 1856, George was summoned to testify at the trial. A witness mentioned that one of the suspects was drinking lager, then threw the glass at Beckert. Mm-hmm. Thus, Beckert was brewing lager by 1855, at latest, as the beer takes some time to produce. So Garrett's money is on uh, George and Teresa Beckert, who owns Beckert's uh, beer garden on Capitol Hill in 1855. So our first date in D.C. is 1855, which is technically 15 years after Philadelphia is the first, presumably, in American history in 1840. Um, So that's lager beer, meaning um, beer which is sort of born in Germany, beer that's fermented with a lager yeast. You know, we talk about ale yeast or lager yeast. These are sort of the two Saccharomyces strain. Um, but you've heard that rundown right before. Are there really two mm-hmm. strains or are there microorganisms? Well, there's lactobacillus. Well, that's a microorg. That's not a beer yeast. And, and all of that is true. But I think the more we get at the truth with a capital T, the more complex the picture gets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so DC's first lager, 1855. In uh, Capitol Hill. In Capitol Hill. Congrats, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, well done, Beckerts. <laughs> nice. And there was a there was a murder, so yes. you know that makes it very <laughs> <Right>. exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so we're going to take a quick break, cool. and we'll be right back with uh, Michael Stein of uh, Lost Loggers. All music on the program, courtesy of the Nag Champa Art Ensemble. SoundCloud.com slash Nogchampa. We will be right back. We bring that good soul energy. 
Welcome back to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan. I am your host, Sarah Jane, and I'm sitting down with Mike Stein of Lost Loggers. Uh, we're talking about the uh, first logger in Washington, D.C. in the 1800s in Capitol Hill, uh, which was very exciting. Um, I want to move into a little bit about your homebrewing. Now, you, we've had the uh, D.C. Homebrewers Club on before. They rocked it. They're, They're an great. amazing group yeah. of people. Um, but you've worked with them a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, again, full disclaimer, I am... Uh, Education Committee Co-Chair, okay. <laughs> which is a long title, <laughs> which you uncovered for a club without dues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're free, right? The DC Homebrewers Club, come check us out. We're free. So you had uh, Sarah Bondioli, our president, Maddie Marshall, our treasurer, and Bob Rouse, uh, past president on the show, and they're awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, DC Homebrewers is a great club, and I would strongly encourage you to check us out. Um, the Facebook page is most active. If you're not on Facebook, um, we have a website. We're on other social media platforms. Just come out to a meeting. We meet monthly. It's so low-key. It's such a beautiful thing. Um, so what has spun off of that, which is actually where Pete, my, my business partner, and I met, um, is a, a set of homebrew classes at the Hill Center. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Hill Center, a.k.a. the Old Naval Hospital at the Hill Center. Um, also in Capitol Hill. Also in Capitol Hill, yeah. And not, the new spot of Little Pearl. <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah, it's not just homebrew classes. We have really good food and coffee there yeah. as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so we teach homebrew classes there. Um, our next one's actually coming up next week on the 10th, mm-hmm. uh, Sunday, June 10th. And that one is um, based on Saison and farmhouse ale. Um, and the interesting thing that we're doing there is we're using a yeast that was cultured from a barrel from the Washington Brewery about 115 in the, in the mid-1800s. Okay. So we have a friend, uh, Jasper, who runs Jasper Yeast, and he provides yeast to commercial breweries, um, cideries, and in this case, home brewers. And he's based in D.C.? He's based in uh, Dulles, Virginia. Okay. Yep, yep. So he uh, left Lost Rhino Brewing Company in, uh, in that part of Virginia not mm-hmm. long ago, and he and Travis Tedrow, Travis is the head brewer at uh, Gordon Beer's Navy Yard, and they have a little yeast firm, as it were, out, out in Northern Virginia. Um, and Jasper actually cultured a, a barrel from the Washington Brewing Company, um, 19th century barrel that they actually found in Alexandria. Um, the Alexandria Archaeological Society found it. And so... Do you know get, where they found it? Yeah, they was found it. Was it like a building that they were doing it, renovations? Exactly. It was under a building that they were digging. And mm-hmm. so this, I, I believe that um, they, they needed to do archaeological... Uh, evident they had they had to do the preservation bit before they could develop like okay. build the building mm-hmm. and so basically um garrett's friend garrett peck this you know other beer historian um was like hey we found this wooden barrel um what do you want to do with it so eventually the barrel there was like a fundraiser to save the barrel and we published an article on dc beer and Jasper got in there and found a yeast. And also, full disclosure, the yeast is super estery, phenolic. It's way more Saison Dupont than, um, you know, Augustiner or like Weinstefan Hell's Lager. It's not clean. It's not neutral. It is fruity and just, it's a be- beautifully expressive yeast. So we're taking yeast that was cultured from a barrel, mm-hmm. a barrel that was built two centuries, you know, a century and a half ago, um, and pitching that into homebrew. And that's kind of what Jasper does. He saves old strains. Um, ultimately, we don't think this was the lager yeast that the Washington Brewing Company used. But that's the other kink in the story is that the Washington Brewing Company on Capitol Hill, which eventually opened where Beckert's Beer Garden was the first one, mm-hmm. um, had a keg in Alexandria, Virginia at Shooter's Hill. What was it doing there? 
Um, and then the, the perfect tie-in, the perfect circle, I believe, is that this, this site, Shooter's Hill, was actually the start of Alexandria's uh, first lager brewery. Uh, that was John Klein and Alexander Strauss, and they opened in 1858. Wow. So, yeah, there's, like, crazy history going on. And so it's just, you know, on some level, it's just homebrew, but on mm-hmm. another level, it's reviving and resuscitating uh, these names that have, haven't been in people's minds in over a century, you know. So for the class itself, you'll be actually walking through, it's yep. like a brew. Yep, we're brewing up a batch. Yep, okay. we're going to make five gallons of beer fermented with that uh, historic strain. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, uh, you know, guests come, they buy a ticket, and we have, uh, we'll drink homebrew as we discuss what we're making and talk the finer points. Um, and so I just wanted to plug quickly. Um, plug away. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so to buy a ticket, you go to hillcenter.org uh, forward slash partner forward slash lost dash loggers. So hillcenter.org forward slash partner forward slash lost dash loggers. And you can get our tickets that way. Um, tickets are, I believe, 75 bucks a pop, mm-hmm. which is on the pricier side, but you're getting so much beer knowledge. Um, and it's actually less than Pete and I bill out when we're working with really big breweries or really big, uh, you know, other researchers or, or other entities that have a huge budget, you know. And from what I understand on the website, you include uh, the yeast that you get to take Correct. Home. You get and to take home the, the best part, thank you for reminding me, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, the best part is you get the historic yeast and you can use it at home. And then you can brew as many batches as it with it as you can or see yeah. fit. <laughs> keep, that, keep that culture keep going. Keep the culture alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So um, I was, we've got a little more time here. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to talk about you know, more ways that people can get involved yeah. in, in kind of how they can explore historic brewery. Now, I believe there is a, a brewing castle. Correct. Okay, yeah. so can you talk a little yeah, bit about yeah, this? Sure, sure. So I think you're talking about the Brewmaster's Castle. Yes. Uh, in, in DuPont, so mm-hmm. not too far from us here. Um, and that is nowadays the Hyrick House Museum. And they're a great org. Um, we have worked with them um, in brewing Hyrick's Lager, which was manufactured at the DC Brow Brewing Company, but a collaborative effort between ourselves and the Hyrick House Museum. And basically that, to me, is the best example of looking at old brands. Um, the Hyrick name still has like some good clout and, and a good standing in the city, which is a tribute to the brewmaster who lived to be uh, over 100 years old. Uh, Christian Hyrick opened his brewery in the 1870s. He, the brewery outlasted him. He dies in 1945. The brewery closes in 1956. But what a lot of people don't realize about him is that, um, aside from running the biggest brewery ever in mm-hmm. D.C.'s history, you know, um, he had a lot of firsts. He was, it was like, I think the Hyrick House Museum is the first fireproof home, the first private fireproof home in the district. Yeah. Um, his sales force, um, and then the DC Brewing sales force was second only to the federal government. You know, it was like the largest employer in the district, largest private employer in the district. And then the other wild thing is that he actually went up against, um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, Schlitz, Pabst, Anheuser-Busch all had bottling facilities in DC. Mm-hmm. So we talk about brewers competing today with the ABN Bev Miller cores of the world, but he literally had them in his backyard, bringing kegs off the rail line. You know, it's, it's pretty wild to think about. Um, and people can still tour this museum. Absolutely. And there are yep. a lot of different yep. beer dinners and beer events I, and stuff totally. like that. Totally. I believe it's just hyrichhousemuseum.org. Mm-hmm. But if you just Google the Hyrich House Museum, you'll get them. They do events. There's jazz. They do the Brewmasters Tour where they focus on Christian exclusively. And they're just really good stewards of the community. Um, mm-hmm. I think... You know, Pete and I are starting to think more critically about the people we sort of do business and associate ourselves with, and they're just a solid name that we like to be associated with. 
um, you know, as well as DC Brow, as well as DC Homebrewers, all of these groups that we do, that we live, work, and play, yeah. like you live, work, and play, and beer in the district, uh, we try to have quality partners that we, you know, make beer, make stories, uh, whatever, with in DC. Yeah, and I think another way for people to get involved in beer history is the uh, American History Museum is doing the Brewing Initiative. Uh, yep. Teresa McCullough is heading that yes, up. Yes, uh, Really fantastic historian. Yes. Um, and so there are different events that the American History Museum does, and you can actually sign up to get you know uh, yes. email reminders yes. of different beer dinners and beer events and stuff like that. And you've been involved in that. That's a great suggestion. This. Yeah, I have. Um, so Teresa McCullough is essentially America's beer historian mm-hmm. because the Smithsonian is America's museum. Um, the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History has always been a good steward of beer in the district. Uh, a few years ago, the Brewers Association announced that they were partnering with American History Museum. And so Teresa is the steward. Yeah, go to NMAH, National Museum of American History, get on their mailing list. It's the Brewers I think it's Brewing History Initiative, I mm-hmm. believe is a proper title. Yeah. Um, and so before Teresa came on, there was another woman, um, uh, Susan Evans, Susan McClure Evans, who now, uh, she left DC, she's in Vermont now. But basically, um, when she caught wind that I was brewing the first porter in DC history at Blue Jacket, um, she was like, this is amazing, let's have you. So it, so we talked to her, I talked to her as well as um, Greg Engert of, of NRG. And, and, uh, I'm familiar you with You know him, yes, <laughs> if you managed it, it uh, then you know. So, so yeah, so we um, did a very cool project with Blue Jacket where we actually made three, we made four beers. <laughs> because um, the Washington Brewery at Navy Yard uh, made three beers, and then when they were put up for sale, it was like, own the apparatuses of a brilliant porter production facility. And so we, we brewed three beers and then we blended them together for a fourth beer for porter. And so that was a few years ago um, before the BA really got involved with uh, the National Museum of American History. But it's just proof that beer history is really having a moment and they got the best of the best. Teresa is wicked, wicked shop, as they say <laughs> in Boston. You know, she's, she's a Harvard grad and, um, and is just so smart and knows so much about food history that she brings a context a lot of us who are homebrewers sort of like, you know, in in the trenches, uh, don't really have that perspective when we're just making beer at home. So it's like, oh yeah, Porter, it's dark. So it had to, they had to get color from somewhere. So molasses, molasses it is. And she's like, well, molasses was part of the triangle trade and that involved, right? And she yes. really get and, and she gives great context. So, um, so shout out to Teresa. For she's sure. Great. Yeah. I, I went to her seminar at the Craft Brewers Conference this year in Nashville and it was brilliant i mean just everything that she's been able to put together in such a short amount of time um and then you know the fact that she's tracing back a lot of homebrew history and you know that's where the craft beer movement started and so it's just really beautiful to see and i feel like you know clubs like the dc homebrewers club is is one of those things that really promotes the beer community and you know makes it so inclusive and there's a lot of ego stripped away right in in that world right we want everybody we don't care who you are oh you don't know who i am no and i don't care who you are just come have you come to a meeting yeah like that's (laughs) what matters yeah totally i think there can be a lot of egos in the biz um Mm -hmm. and in home brewing there's generally no ego so that's and yeah, to your point about Teresa, like she's gotten really busy and, and just and just produced some great content, um, you know, at the Craft Brewers Conference specifically. But I think what's important there is that, um, you know, we think of American beer history as like first wave, the 70s, second wave, 80s, 90s, third wave now. But the reality is like this is the 60th wave since 1790, at least for us in D.C., you know, yeah. like that's our first commercial brewery, 1791. And that brewer was a Scottish immigrant. He and his wife 
you know, Andrew and Margaret Wales sold beer to George Washington, right? Like, yeah, so um, it, it's a rich, deep history here in the district. Nice. Yeah. Well, I definitely feel uh, proud to be from the yeah. area. I feel like a, a re, you know, reinstated a pride in the, in the D.C. area. Good. Uh, so definitely check out um, all the different things yeah, that we we've talked got about a lot. today. You got your homework, we listeners. Got a, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, and definitely try to snag some tickets uh, for this uh, homebrew class. Yeah. It's really cool. You will basically be brewing history, um, which is a really, really cool thing to do. Uh, and I know, you know, these guys will definitely send you home with a lot of tools, not just with the yeast, but with, you know, actual, you know, really concrete knowledge. Uh, and, uh, yeah, follow Lost Loggers and yeah. check out uh, Blue Jacket Beers. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh off the canning <laughs> well line now. Yeah. Um, so thank you all so much, Mike. Thank you again for coming Thanks, in. Sarah. I really, really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we will see you all next week. Thank you. This is Beer Me. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.